0: the Black and
1: Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407 790 9957 or visit wesellorlando.net. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez with you here with our summer sessions, and we're continuing on. With uh, actually our first preview of the 2018-2019 season, Eric. I can't believe it's already happening. We just finished the College World Series.
0: Yeah, I, w- I would know. I was at Oklahoma City for the women's version just recently, I felt like. That was and like last we week,
1: wasn't it? I mean, come on. I like felt Where like does the like solo go? God.
0: Uh, it, does, it It's going, but you know, it's it's fall when we're starting soccer, when college soccer and women's soccer. It's amazing. It's just around the corner. What are we? We're literally a couple of weeks away from them stepping on the pitch here for exhibition games, and the regular season is less than a month away.
1: Yeah, August ninth is when UCF uh, opens up their exhibition schedule. They have two exhibition matches uh, at home against Wyoming, August the ninth at seven p.m. On the road in Jacksonville against UNF. On Sunday, August the 12th, the regular season opens at home against Florida Gulf Coast on August 19th. Uh, that's at, that's a Sunday at 6 p.m. And UCF women's soccer this year comes in uh, in quite an interesting position. Last year, um, spurned on by the uh, victory over North Carolina in overtime. Uh, it, it, what a victory that was, too, in, o, in, in OT. 2-1 to one. UCF. Got hot, and uh, what a year they had! It's thirteen, two, and three overall. Seven zero and two in the American. They won the American Athletic Conference regular season championship, uh, and in the process, uh, outscored uh, their in conference opponents uh, by by quite the margin thirty to three in the American Athletic Conference regular season managed to host the conference tournament uh, and uh, defeated Memphis uh, in their first game uh, on the Friday and then Sunday faced off against USF a team that they uh, drew in the final game of the regular season to clinch the American Athletic Conference regular season title but it goes to a scoreless uh, it goes through it, it goes through regulation and extra time scoreless and UCF loses to USF five to three in PKs in the championship. So a little bit of a bitter pill to swallow. But right after that, UCF uh, managed to, you know, found out that they were going to host uh, an NCAA match in the first round. And lo and behold, they draw Washington State, a very good team, very underrated team in Washington State, uh, coming over from the Pac-12. Long trip for them. But they got out of here with the first round victory. Uh, over UCF one to nil uh, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So there were some good things from last year. There were some not so good things from last year. With uh, a great senior class led by uh, one Morgan Ferrara, who we had on earlier um, during our summer sessions on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. You can follow. You can check that out in our feed and at blackandgoldbanneret.com. But Eric Lopez, it was it, the way the season ended was kind of a As great as the whole body of work was, it was kind of a it was kind of a mixed bag toward the end. I think. Do you agree?
0: Well, I mean, I thought they got a bad draw, and I said it when it came out. I mean, you get a very good Washington State team that, oh by the way, beat UCLA during the regular season. I mean, that was not a four seed.
1: You warned me ahead of time about how good they were, and you were right.
0: And, And I was there. I mean, they outplayed Washington. You know, that's the thing. Soccer can be cruel sometimes. Not necessarily the best team wins. In soccer, I mean UCF dominated that match really, uh, particular from uh, most of the second half. Unfortunately, uh, they couldn't put it back behind the net, uh, and Washington State did, and that's just the way it goes in a one-game scenario like that. But uh, it was a phenomenal year, and I think we forget this, and I have to remind people of this. Going into the season, like when we if we were talking a year ago this time, nobody was expecting that from UCF. I remember they were picked around the middle of the pack in the conference. Uh, yeah, they were coming so no, off of a was,
1: season where they were barely over 500.
0: Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing that was, it was really one of her best jobs, uh, Coach Sahadex, that she's been, been here, really, when you consider the fact of, you know, there, you know, nobody really knew what to expect. I mean, this team really played itself into being one of the best UCF teams ever, uh, dominating the conference in a regular season. They beat North Carolina. They crushed LSU at LSU. Uh, and And really, I think, Got so uh, It was a magical year. Unfortunately, like you mentioned, a couple of bad breaks. The USF match in the conference championship game, I remember I thought there were some missed calls there that usually that went against UCF there that could have easily uh, turned that around. So, But the exciting thing is what's going to be unique about this year. And the reason why I bring up the expectations that we're going into last year is there's going to be a lot of new faces this season. Um, and you got a lot of talent to replace. But as Coach Zahedek has shown, and I think UCF's history has shown, is they tend to uh reload and they have a young talent and it'll be interesting who steps up now who's the new face that we get to know because you know morgan ferrero you know when she first came to ucf nobody knew who she was right and so uh that's kind of the cool thing about it in the college sport and in all sports but in particular in soccer with the turnaround is who steps up who are the new names and you never know what's going to happen here this year so while I think there. You know, I know you've got questions about. We're going to ask about this roster with the new, you know, new faces. It's, it's always eagerly interesting to see how the players that do come back uh, respond from last year and that experience from last year. So it's always fun. And uh, Coach Sahedic with it, a fun, exciting style. In fact, I had a fan once told me, believe it or not, Jeff, that they rather go see a UCF women's soccer team with Coach Sahedic and their style than go see Orlando City or even the Pride. They feel it's a much more fun and uh, exciting uh, quality of soccer, the entertainment standpoint. So, I mean, imagine that. I mean, talk about high praise. <laughs> I mean, you look at the Pride, for example. They have one of the best players in the world with a Morgan and, and Martha, and yet you got this side-heart, soccer diehard. It's like, yeah, no, I would rather see Coach Tate, and that's that's a compliment to her coaching abilities and and how she kind of gets the most out of her players.
1: Yeah, and and she, and we'll get into that with coach Zahedek here in a little bit and I think one of the keys here for the team coming into 2018 is they do have some players that are returning um that are good that are that really stepped up uh last year uh and filled in some holes and they're going to have even more opportunities um this year. So, um let's dive right in, shall we? Uh here we are. It is our first 2018-2019 uh, preview here on our Black and Gold Banneret Summer Sessions, and without further ado, let's bring in Tiffany robert haydock head coach of the UCF Women's Soccer team. And joining us now, the head coach of UCF Women's Soccer, Tiffany robert haydock joining us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Once again, Coach Tiffany, like we said before, I, I can't. Be- I, how does how does it happen that we just finished like the College World Series? I swear it was last week. And now it's we're coming up on soccer season. You guys start your schedule well your your uh your first exhibition game's August ninth that's right around the corner, isn't it? How does this happen? How the time flies like this
2: well, it's a hard task. I mean, we have a game on August ninth, and I haven't even seen my freshmen play yet. <laughs> <laughs> So preseason very short. We gotta. It's very condensed, but it's fun, and that and, you know everyone has to do it. So we have all we all the coaches have the same task right. in the
1: soccer. Well, it's it's fun because it's like springtime in August, though. You know the new year is upon us, and you know looking back on last year, what a year you guys had! Um, you know, winning the conference championship in the regular season. Of course, the tournament didn't quite go you know quite as quite as much as you'd hope for, but. But UCF was uh, right there, making national headlines uh, all throughout the year. Conference play was remarkable. But you know, looking back on it, I I looked at these numbers. Last year, you guys outscored your conference opponents in the regular season thirty to three. But this year, now you've lost twenty nine of your forty five goals from last year due to graduation. (laughs) That's I mean it's, i mean almost two thirds i, tell I, me these I, things. I don't, <laughs> but 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 it's you know it's that's the task that's before you you know i mean how do you well let, let's yeah. ask you about those uh, about that senior class like wh- i mean what did they mean to you at uh heading uh, heading out of last year
2: Well, I first have to talk to them as uh, i have to talk to them about um them as people because that's what matters the most to me is just they were an unbelievable group they were unbelievable individuals as human beings but then as a group they were even stronger they just led with um they had so much commitment and UCF women's soccer was their priority and they led in such a warm way but then also knew how to get the best of their teammates by um, making them compete you know as hard as they they can day in and day out so just all together it's just a class that you know I think it's going to be hard to beat for any senior class not that we're in competition at all with, uh, you know, with that, but um, it's just, it was a special class and I'm going to be sad coming up here in a few days when we start preaching, not seeing their faces, but um, that's something that we're used to, having to let go of those seniors and it's just a great opportunity for our young ones to step up this year. So we've got a lot of new faces and a lot of opportunity for them. So that's going to be a, a big point um, on this year.
0: So, coach, you've got a lot of new faces as you mentioned in a kind of a short period of time. It is interesting. Soccer is unique in that regard if you you've got a quicker turnaround than other sports do when they get back in a semester. and you also have to deal with uh, you know potentially you know players playing internationally as well. Talk about that and, and kind of the how you have to juggle the kind of those things as you get ready for the season.
2: Yeah, it's not gonna be easy. Uh, the the under twenty women's World Cup uh, will be kicking off here soon. And fortunately, and unfortunately, <laughs> we have a couple players um, that will that have made their roster. So, um, Seth Sanders and Dina Orschman, um, two of our, um, you know, they're. I'm considering them to be our big big goal scorers of the season. We won't have them for the beginning of the season, so um, they'll be representing Germany in that World Cup. Um, and then we also just have some other. There's. Um, Uh, Kanya Plummer, she's a transfer um, to us, and a junior college transfer. She represents the Jamaican senior women's national team. She's actually the captain of that team. And um, she is going to be trying to help Jamaica qualify for the Women's World Cup next summer. So she needs to leave at times to be able to represent Jamaica to help them qualify. So we're going to be juggling our roster. You know, we have, you know, the... When you have really good players, they also have other commitments (laughs) like, uh, you know, donning their national team jersey. So, um, it's a real positive, but then obviously um, there's a little selfish part of me that wishes they were here with us. But obviously, we support their national team careers. I know what that feels like, and I've always told them that in recruiting. If you get called in by the national team, I, you know, support you 100%. I know how that feels, and that's a real special, special deal. So, but we got to juggle it. But like I said, there's opportunity then. So we've got a big freshman class, and we've got kids that are leaving to go represent their national team. So here's a great opportunity for them to step in um, and make a difference for their team early on.
1: Yeah, I guess you're right. It is a nice problem to have because it means that you've got some really good players to on your roster nonetheless, especially when you come down the stretch. But um, what is what is the biggest challenge in getting those players – back acclimated to playing for you after playing for the for the national team is it is it a conditioning issue is it is it a system issue like what's what's the biggest hurdle that you have to cross that maybe fans don't really know about
2: well I don't actually think that there's a big hurdle for these kids that are going away with their national teams and coming back I think they're pretty acclimated to jumping in and out of teams you know so I don't think it's that that that's the biggest hurdle, I think the biggest hurdle, something I kind of alluded to earlier, was that we only have not even two weeks to prepare a brand new team every season for our first you know exhibition match yeah so you know if we have ten new players, you know I you know I don't I, like I said, I haven't even seen my freshman play yet, so um it's a brand new team every year, and we, we're not as senior heavy this year. So I think for uh, for me and the biggest challenge this season, we have the talent and we have a lot of talent, but, you know, can we mesh quickly as quickly as we need to just on and off the field, you know, like soccer, as soccer players tactically, and then also just socially, you know, which that usually is an issue here because I feel like we have pretty good culture, but yep. still, I think that's always the biggest hurdle. It's probably not even losing some of these kids to their national teams here and there and juggling that. It's really the big picture of getting everybody on board very quickly with all these newcomers.
1: Well, the good news is – new oh, Sorry, co- go ahead, Eric. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I,
2: I want to know about
0: the newcomers. You've got so many of them, but in years past, Coach, you've had these newcomers that would come in and step in right away and contribute to the success. So it. it who are some of the names that we should look out for and you're looking at as potentially some players that might surprise people because it's always been like that every year is like, whoa, where did that player come from? And next thing you know, they become uh, a Mo or they become whoever that they, you know, they came out of somewhere before. So what, where are some of the names you're lo- looking forward to that maybe some of the fans should kind of keep an eye on?
2: Sure. So we have a couple of newcomers as far as transfers, which we're really excited about. So I mentioned Kanye Plummer, uh, you know, Jamaican national team player um, transferred to us from a uh, junior college. So, um, and she will be a junior. Yes, junior. And then um, Samantha Chung, um, she's transferring us to, from the University of Florida. And she this will be her senior year. Um, and I knew her for a long time. So uh, I know she's an exciting player that that will help us a lot. So those are two transfers that I feel like can really help our roster. Um, and then some true freshmen. We have um, a young girl from France. Uh, her name is Mathilde Cack. And uh, she's a defender. Um, and she's currently with her under-19 French national team playing in the Euros. So she's, she's out. She's already gone playing with her national <laughs> team. She was on campus. She's taking summer school. She's already out of here. Hopefully she comes back soon. I think she's coming back soon. Um, and then, um, so that's a, an international kid. But then some domestic kids, uh, local, as in uh, Florida – um I'm really excited about Kristen Scott. Uh she's a forward and uh, she did really well with her club team. She is a local kid. Um and then Deanna Martin. She's from South Florida and she's another forward. So you know some like I said some of these kids need to step up cuz uh, Steph and Dina are going to be gone and I'm hoping that these girls will take advantage of this opportunity.
1: You know, you mentioned how important Steph and Dina are uh, to this team, and 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 obviously their resume speaks for itself, um, playing for the German national under twenty team. But um, describe for us how you know just how the how how warming it was for you to see them step up in in the way that they did last year as freshmen. And uh, providing the production that they did, I'm sure you're looking at some of the younger players. And you're like, okay, what they did. Let's see if you can do the same thing, right?
2: Yeah, you know the thing that Steph and Dina have the edge is that they, when you're competing on your national team, you've just had that experience of playing at a really high level. Mm-hmm. And so some of our domestic kids haven't had that experience yet. Some of our kids have played on their youth national team, so that's good. But when we recruit nationally, most of the, internationally, most of the time, these kids have the experience of playing on their national team. So we know when they come in, they're going to make an impact right away. Where sometimes our domestic kids don't have that extra experience, so it's a little bit—you just don't know how they're going to um, transition to the college game. There's just a bigger difference between youth soccer and college soccer for. The domestic kids, the internationals, they're used to the transition because they're already used to playing at a very high level since we recruit the best. So, um, I lost my train of thought.
1: That's all right. The 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 international, yeah, Dean and Steph, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So Dean and Steph, what they've done, sorry, that's okay. Dean and Steph, they're so they already have that experience. But I thought it was phenomenal how they just came in and even socially and commitment-wise, they embrace, you know, sometimes it takes a while to really take ownership in a program or a team. You just got there, you're new, you know, but they really embraced this college culture and UCF and our team and our wins and our losses. Like, they completely took ownership of it, and they're a huge piece of this team, and they were from the very beginning because their attitude was so open, and what's very exciting about Stephanie is that We didn't have Steph in the beginning of last year. We only really had her for maybe half of the season, maybe a little bit longer, but she wasn't 100% really um, since she had torn her ACL before she came to us. So we, as good as Steph was last season, she should be at another level this year because she's 100% and she's not recovering from an ACL injury. So that's really exciting for us.
0: Coach, you obviously Jeff mentioned all the, the goal scoring you lost due to graduation, but I remember you told me this last year, and I remember Morgan even told me this last year. That Morgan told me that you know you like it actually better when the scoring is more balanced, it's spread out, and she said that that was kind of the mindset last year, and she didn't feel pressure to score because she knew that she had teammates that could score, and as a result she had the year that she is so is that kind of something you relay the message to the players it's, hey don't feel like you have to score every time yes we want you to score but you've got a full team that could are capable of doing that so don't put too much pressure on yourself
2: yeah i mean i think i don't know if it's something i would address with the team like you know in a, in a meeting but because i don't want them thinking they should. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, i'm just kidding but i think the team knows like When you have a talented team and you do have that talent across the board, I think just, you know, inside they they do feel like they can lean on their teammates. So I think I'll have a better idea to that question once we start, you know, knocking the ball around, getting out there and, and training. but. I think going into the season mentality wise it is for me, so I'm thinking my players are feeling the same way. We're just talented across the board, so I do think it's a situation where, you know, if Seth's not having a good date game, then Dina's gonna step up, or maybe one of those freshmen are gonna step up, right? Or you know, we haven't talked about Zandy um at all. Um, but uh Zandy Soray. She, you know, has been kind of quiet with stats, but I just think she's a kid that she'll be our attacking midfielder. Mm -hmm. And she's so quiet, but she's so good. It's just she needs to come out of her shell on her own. And I'm hoping this will be the year for her. So I do think it's a situation where we can lean on each other. And I think the girls, once they're out there and they're training together, they're going to realize, hopefully, that there are multiple people that will step up just like last year.
1: You know, one of the places where I think that you guys are the strongest right now is uh, at goalkeeper because obviously Vera Vara speaks for herself and the experience that she has. She's heading into her senior year. Last year, you did some you did some platooning between her and uh, and Chloe Ngazi, uh, who's a, who's a junior this year. You have a third uh, keeper in the mix with Caroline Delisle, who comes in uh, from Tampa. She's a freshman, but. Um, how does the situation in goal and on the back line look? Because, you know, do you you know might you do the same thing this year where you platoon Vera and Chloe just to keep one another fresh as, uh, in the early part of the season? How's that going to work this year?
2: I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm telling you the reason why it's so complicated is they're both very good. They like, are. Chloe ended up not becoming our – starting goalkeeper and, and Vera beat her out, you know, I mean, it was in during conference already. Once I think Vera started separating herself from Chloe and um, you know, that's all credit to Vera. And um, she did that, but you know, Chloe is so good that we didn't want to lose her either by not playing her at all last year. So we kind of want to just start it off, you know, even, and let's see where this goes. And They both had great games, and like I said, Vera just ended up separating herself and then became one of the best goalkeepers in the country, so I think it's going to be tough for Chloe, Um, but, you know, she's been training, Vera's been training. I think it's a really healthy uh, competition, and I love that we have another goalkeeper, a freshman, who can learn from those two, and maybe... You know Caroline won't be ready this year, but training obviously with Chris cummings, our goalkeeper coach, but then under these two uh, these two veteran goalkeepers, like she's gonna learn so much so it's gonna be quite the competition and and it, it like in numbers it looks so clear that Vera's our starter um, but I also have a lot of faith in Chloe too so. They're just both so good. It's a good situation to be in, I guess, when yeah. we have two starting goalkeepers, basically. So we'll see what happens. I'm being honest. I don't, I don't know what, <laughs> how we're going to go. Because, you know, sometimes you got to wait until preseason starts. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't. It's like how I feel about the starting lineup. I don't know who's starting in our first game because who I think might be fit and ready and sharp. What if they're not? Or maybe someone who I wasn't expecting is blowing it, blowing us away. So you kind of don't know until you get out there.
1: But that's good. That gets the competitiveness up, though, you know, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's what's fair to the players, you know.
1: Right. The Black and Gold Banneret podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, powered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's such a dedicated night fan that right now, If you work with him as your realtor, he will donate a portion of his commission to the UCF Football Excellence Fund in your name. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give him a call right now at 407 790 9957. Again, that's 407 790 9957. Or visit on the web at we sellorlando.net. Again, that's we sell You can also reach them on Facebook at facebook.com slash We Sell Orlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a
3: reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelco. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. <laughs> You know, Nightline has UCF Sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF Sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now, back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast.
0: Coach, I, I'm curious because I talked to uh, Coach Calabrese last season, and his team kind of finished strong last year. But, and he's told me, uh, and he's not the first coach that said this, he kind of wished that college soccer, at least on the men's side, he felt he wishes it was a two semester sport because he felt like the team started bonding late in the year, but it was already too late. The season was already basically over by the time they started clicking. Do you wish that soccer was maybe a two-semester sport? Because it feels like, uh, you know, and you're not the only one that's dealing with this, but you've got a quick turnaround. A lot of people are going to learn their teams, and then by the time maybe you have a feel for it, oh, wow, before we know it, postseason's here. Did you, do you kind of wish it was maybe a two-semester sport so that way it doesn't feel like a sprint? Maybe it's more of, hey, we, we can figure out our teams and peak at the right time and, and everybody's kind of on the same playing field?
2: I think it does make more sense for an athlete, like for a, a pure soccer athlete. We're not talking about being a student athlete or anything. If you're just looking at a soccer schedule and their performance and their recovery, yeah, squishing 25 games in three months is not great. <laughs> it's, it's a hard – it's yep. actually a hard path. So it makes a lot of sense spreading it out between two semesters for their – um just for their recovery you know and injury prevention and and like you said it takes time to mesh and gel and um we could probably be more efficient with scattering reports I mean you play Thursday and Sunday it's like you got to wrap up Thursday really quick learn from it but you're also preparing for Sunday you know if you only have one game a week I mean I think we could even be better coaches for our players um be a little bit more detailed um So it does make a lot of sense. I know for on the men's side, um, since they lose guys more to the professional game, it it lines up for the men um, really well. Um, But for the women, strictly looking at the athlete, I do think it makes sense going over two semesters. But there's also another side to me. I'm a mom. Sometimes yep. I need a mental break from the competition and
3: <laughs> for how
2: hard the fall is. I'm going to be right. honest, spring sometimes I get to breeze, you know, even though we're recruiting and if you're working hard, it's like, I'm, I also have a little bit more availability for my children. So that's just the personal side too. So there's so much to look at. I'm not 100% one side or the other, but I can understand Cal Bruce's, uh, from a purist, like soccer purist, the two semesters make sense when you don't take anything else into consideration.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, that the Thursday-Sunday thing is just, I don't know how you guys do it. I mean, that's brutal. It, when, when you consider the fact that yeah. it, basically every other level... You play one game a week, and then except for college, yeah. where you're playing, I mean, and, and and you're still playing the same ninety minutes. It's not like the games are shrunk to sixty or any of that. And you're playing, yeah. you know, two games in four days. I mean, that's brutal at any level. It, it, it's, I, I don't know how you guys manage to get you to get through a season healthy is a yeah, miracle in itself. Goal. You know,
2: yeah. Actually, that's the goal is we talk a lot about just being durable, like you know it's like how can we recover <laughs> yeah. we don't train that much in the fall. we're recovering and trying to be durable. How can we you know make our bodies as durable as possible and recover as quickly as possible? That's usually what we're we're doing even more than training,
1: yeah, now we look at the schedule too i mean it's Boy, oh, boy. You know, you've done it again, Coach Tiffany. I know. I don't know why I do this. I look at it every year and go, what was I thinking? (laughs) Well, you start with Florida Gulf Coast. They're pretty good at home. That's the the home regular season opener on Sunday, August 19th. And then, okay, here we go. Texas and Chapel Hill, North Carolina at Chapel Hill, at Miami, at Maryland, home for Florida, home for George Mason, at Stetson, and then you're in conference play by September 27th. My goodness, this slate. but uh, But – but again, this is what this is how you've shaped the schedule to set UCF up to set your team up for um that strong that that sort of strong position as you head into conference play. So, um give us a little bit more like what, what uh, a little bit more on some of these opponents and um you know, what you think I mean, well, I mean, they're all going to be challenges, but which one do you think is going to be the biggest challenge out of all of them?
2: Well, I think Let's see. I mean, going to Chapel Hill and playing Texas and Carolina, I mean, that's going to be a really tough weekend, you know? Oh, yeah. Texas had just coming off of a really good season last year. So we know that that, that game is going to be challenging. And then, of course, UNC is always going to be challenging. So, just historically. So um, that weekend is, is tough. And that's a Friday-Sunday turnaround, not a Thursday-Sunday turnaround. So that's, that's going to be a tough weekend, even, even better. <laughs> but, but, yeah, you know, we need to – but the reason why we do this is because we, if we want to be the best, we have to play the best. And if we want to win conference championships, we have to prepare ourselves way out of conference. But our, our focus is always on the NCAA tournament. So how can we position ourselves best to get um, into the NCAA tournament and host and um, – Get a seed, so you know we're always looking big picture here because we feel like we can produce a team that can, I put together a team that can produce. So, um, but other games, um, you know, it's always fun playing the Florida teams. There's always that rivalry. So whether we're going down to Miami, and then having Florida at home is going to be great. I I know just as a department, we're going to really be pumping up that game because of the rivalry and it being Florida. Um, you know, two in-state uh, schools, so I feel like we can really get a lot of fans. And my hope is that we'll have a home home team advantage there. So, yeah, guys, get your butts in the seat. <laughs> well, we know it. Well, we know. Yeah, well, we know it
1: worked for it worked for that Carolina game last year. I mean, it was oh, the place yeah. was packed. Really I mean, did. and it really did have an effect on the game, especially after you know you guys fell down a goal, came back, scored the scored the equalizer and then took care of business in overtime. When you look at, uh, when you look at in conference this year, uh, what's, what's your outlook on the American, um, as a whole, is it going to be, uh, again, you know, probably, do you think it might be a little bit more than a two horse race this year? You know, we know how good South Florida was last year, but, um, but the, uh, but, but who else might step up into that uh, upper echelon in the conference alongside you guys?
2: Okay. Well, you said South Florida already. Um, you know Cincinnati has always been. You know the past few years they've really been a contender, so they're always tough to play with, and just their type of style and their mentality—they just—they don't—they don't stop. You know they're they're kind of a pain to play against. So yeah, um, they're always a team to, and we're playing them at home, so that's good. I'd much rather have them at home, so that's a positive. Yeah, that was a tough um, match they
1: gave you last year on the road know, too, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's teams like that haven't done so well in the past, but I feel like the bottom of our conference is starting to get better, which is good for our whole for our whole conference. So, you know, Houston has some players, um, you know, in the past two years, Houston has been so great, but in the past few years they've recruited a couple players um, that have been really good. So if they keep adding to that roster um, – they're going to be difficult, but it's so hard to say, I'm like looking at every game and I'm like SMU, you know, I forget what the, what that score was by the end. I think it might've been three zero or three, four zero. And it, and it, that sounds like it was a cakewalk, but literally the game almost was one, one at halftime. And um, you know, we dodged a bullet and it went one zero. I think and then we ended up, you know, opening up, but it's just, it's really hard to say, but you know South Florida is always going to be the big one cuz it's just crosstown rivals, the war on I4, and uh, they're just good. You know they're good. Yeah. So that's always What fun. With coach, what but I'm curious
0: coaches, coaches, do you when you get together in the offseason do you talk about how to get the word out? Cause I do feel like the American conference sometimes gets a uh, kind of the short stick as far as how good the league is. It's, it's a multiple bid league. And you mentioned it's got the, the, the improvements in the league from the bottom teams. You got teams at the top that are as good as any that beaten quality teams non-conference uh, as coaches in the league. Is that something you kind of try to spread? I was like, look, we're a really good league. This is not an easy league. This is a multiple bid league consistently now moving forward.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think we just have to keep getting the word out. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't I don't know if everyone's thinking about our conference right off the top, but once you start telling people who's in our conference, they're like, oh, that's a good league. Oh, they're in your conference. You know, I think that people are still learning about our league, um, but once they realize who's in the league, they realize it is a very strong conference. So, yeah, I do think, you know, our brand um, needs to become stronger, and we're working towards that every day, and everyone is, and it helps when you have good teams that are winning. and. You know, so our coaches' job from all of our teams in our conference, we're doing the best that we can to, to you know, have our names there ranked, uh, our schools ranked nationally. So um, last season was a good good year for our conference, and hopefully uh, we'll just keep getting stronger as a whole.
1: Well, we know you've done an amazing job with that. And now, now that you head into your sixth season five, uh, wow. at UCF, five seasons already in the books, that means that everyone from your initial class – has moved on. I guess we'll wrap up with this. You know, you were talking to us uh, just before air about how, uh, not just current players, you know, playing internationally. Um, but a lot of your former players have, uh, have had some, uh, some good things happen to them recently. Um, tell us about some of your alumni and where they're going to be and where the, uh, where the Tiffany Roberts, a uh, coaching tree is branching out to.
2: (laughs) Okay. So we have a couple exciting, uh, news from some players. Um, Well, well, Speaking of coaching, we have uh, Morgan Ferreira. She has been announced as the, um, I believe, graduate assistant for Eastern Kentucky University, so for EKU. And um, this is an amazing opportunity for Mo because um, the graduate assistant actually takes on a huge role there because they only have one uh, other assistant. They don't have two assistants. So Mo is essentially the second assistant there and I believe she's going to be taking on recruiting responsibilities. I mean, she's getting thrown into the fire. I cannot wait
3: to (laughs) talk to her
2: during the season to see how her scattering boards are going. Um, it's just going from Sue Natalie right into it. I mean, she's getting thrown in the fire. So, but she deserves it. And she did, you know, go around France and, and look at opportunities to play professionally. And I think when she was around, um, you know, taking on in that experience, she realized she wanted to maybe not play overseas, and that's what happens sometimes. Once you go through it, you might it's not everything you want it to to look like. So, um, we're really proud of her. And then, um, Kat, uh, Kat Ellen Sosa, she just made the roster. I don't know if you saw that on our social media. She just made the roster, the official roster for the Four Nations Tournament for Brazil. So she'll be playing alongside Marta. This is the first time that she's wow. representing Brazil with the senior national team. Um, you know, she'll be playing against Alex Morgan in the U.S. So she'll be done in that Brazilian jersey. And I'm telling you, I I told this to Tim. When she transferred to our, our team, I'm like, this girl is good. Like, she – I'm telling you right now, mark my words, she's going to be playing in the Women's World Cup next summer in France. So she's – She's already made a huge step by making this Four Nations roster, and if she stays healthy and keeps it up, I think she'll be playing the World Cup next summer. Um, and, you know, before she came to us, she was coming off the bench for Louisville, mm-hmm. which is kind of a crazy story. Gosh. So, um, and then Bridget Callahan, she um, she's still playing. She's playing with the Pride. Um, so she's technically on roster with, with the Pride. I mean, she actually just got a high school coaching job. She told me this. This is not real news out there, but she just told me she's she's going to be coaching her high school team. So that oh, that's good. Um, once once October, yeah, she's from South Florida. So, um, but yeah, we have some kids that are coaching now and going to grad school and then doing big things with uh, playing soccer still. So it's pretty cool.
1: I know how proud you are of all of them too, because that's you know, I mean, you're an integral part of that and. Um, and, 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 and I know that the reason that, that you are a tremendous reason why a lot of them do go into coaching because they, um, they love playing for you and they love how you are as a coach. So that that, that means a lot. So um, all right, last thing I want before we wrap up. Um, not to make anyone around here feel old or anything, but next year, 2019 we're heading into the 20th anniversary of the wow. 1999 World Cup so my One question year. 20 <laughs> years well i the thing is i mean i still remember it like it was yesterday i think i tagged you on twitter a couple weeks ago about it like you know like searching searching for where you were after after brandy chastain's goal and all that but um and i'm sure when the time comes around we'll talk more about it in depth but my question to you is do you have uh, do you guys have any plans coming up this year for uh, the 20th anniversary of the 99ers
2: I don't, nothing official, but I've heard some rumors and we have, you know, fun text messages. We have like group messages from the 99 team. So, um, we're all still very connected and, um, yeah, and there's a few rumors here and there, but nothing official. So we'll see, but I hope so because we love seeing each other and love getting together. And like I said, I mean, they'll be my, they're my big sisters. They took really good care of me. I was 22 years old. Yeah. What the heck? Wow! <laughs> um, oh. I just gave away my age. Just gave away my age, people. It's a, it's
1: um, a, po- it's a podcast. I can edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: all right. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just a number. Um, but yeah, twenty years. It's unbelievable. But I, I love that they're still my, my big sisters, and that we're still connected, and we'll be connected forever. So hopefully, we do get to get together because that's such a special team, and I'm very, very just blessed to be part of it.
1: It's awesome. I know you know you got a shout out from Mia uh last week. Um I know that uh yeah. and and uh, uh you know Michelle is always around so um it's it's fun. It's it's so wonderful to you know see you know even even I as like I mean, I mean now, now I'm going to give away my age a little bit. Even I as a <laughs> as a 16-year-old um watching <laughs> watching that uh on ESPN and ABC and um, like jumping off the couch you know at, at, at that game is it was it's still probably the most amazing that game against China in the final in the Rose Bowl still the most amazing sport one of the most amazing sporting events I've ever seen um you know in, in person or on or on television and uh, the fact that wow. the fact that that all of you guys who made such his, such great history not just for um not just for the game of soccer but women's sports in the United States in general and that you're so close to UCF now um is uh it's it's so cool to see and it's always a tremendous pleasure to talk to you it is so much fun Tiffany Robert Sahadak UCF women's soccer uh if fans want to reach out to you coach Tiffany how can they do so
2: Twitter or Instagram Got you me the best way
1: TR Sahadak on Twitter I know is that right
2: Yeah Got gotcha. you I think it's the same for Instagram Yeah
1: All right. And UCF Women's Soccer on Twitter is also at UCF underscore W Soccer. Or you can also reach out to them on Facebook. Uh, just search for UCF Women's Soccer. Tiffany roberts Sahadak, UCF Women's Soccer head coach. Thanks again, coach. It's always great to talk to you. We'll see you uh, when the schedule fires up in like, you know, three hours from now, it seems like.
2: <laughs> I know. That's
1: how I feel. <laughs> All, <laughs> All right. right. T- well,
2: thank you for spending some time with me.
1: Thanks. Thank you for spending time with us. We appreciate it as always. <laughs> All right. That was awesome. As usual. Uh, thanks again to Tiffany Roberts-Sahedak. um it is just so much fun to talk to her. I mean, it's no wonder her players just love playing for her. Um, she is completely beloved by her players, alumni, current, Um, And it's easy to see why. And I also want to send a special thank you to uh, Megan Herboth as well from uh, UCF Athletics for uh, her tireless work um, throughout the season, helping out a bunch of sports, especially women's soccer. Um, She's one of the best in the business, and thanks to her for helping us out uh, as well. So, again, Eric, let's wrap this up. What do you think uh, right now might, might be the outlook for UCF women's soccer heading into 2018?
0: Well, I am mean, going to take a page from her. We've got to see this team on the field and see how they blend and kind um, of take it game by game and see how they do. And that's kind of the fun thing about it. I remember last year, I didn't really – you take it one match at a time. They, you know, they remember they opened against South Carolina, and I remember watching it, and, even, and they were playing one player short for pretty much the whole match, and they still showed some signs and then bounced back, won their home opener, and then beat North Carolina and took off from there. So – uh, you know they're going to be challenged early, but I do think part of the, her philosophy and coaching and the, the scheduling is they'll learn a lot about what they about them, and they'll improve. Rego- you know, based on the competition they're going to play, which is very tough. It'll be a tough schedule, but I expect a typical Coach Sahedak team that will get better. And, and and thing is, you focused a lot about the goal, the goal scoring they've lost, but one thing that that kind of gets lost is how good they are defensively. Yeah, starting at net, but also on the back line. When, you, when they have been a championship team and an NCAA tournament team, as good as they've been offensively, it's really been their defense that has been dominant. You know, the stat that you mentioned where they dominated the conference, the, really the stat that jumps out is how many goals they allowed.
1: Yeah. Three goals. So what, two? Three goals, three? goals yeah. throughout all the conference play. It was remarkable. Um, and hopefully they'll have it. And we talked a little bit with Tiff about um, the goalkeeping situation, and you're right. It does start there and it moves all the way up. I thought I always thought that this team's attitude on defense is absolutely tenacious and and I think that's also part of a part of it that's like you said fun to watch about this team. So it's going to be a lot of fun seeing them in uh, 2018 as well. Just a reminder their season does start um in uh 2018 coming up with the exi- with two exhibition matches. Uh again it will be um August the 9th against Wyoming is their first uh, exhibition match. And then uh, they go on the road for an exhibition match against UNF in Jacksonville on Sunday, August 12th. Regular season starts August the 19th. That's a Sunday, 6 p.m. against Florida Gulf Coast. The big one, like uh, Coach, uh, like Coach Sadek talked about, uh, Florida, September 9th, Sunday, 6 p.m. on campus. Um, boy, is that going to be huge. Home opponents in conference, ECU, Cincinnati, SMU, Houston. Um, Should be a busy conference schedule for UCF as well. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, Eric Lopez, people can follow you at?
0: Eric Lopez Elo, and uh, we got a lot of stuff coming out. Yep. Yep. Big, it's gonna, some exciting news coming out. We got some exciting other interviews coming out.
1: Yep, it's going to be a uh, busy month. Bannerette. Oh, boy, is it going to be a busy month for here at Black and Gold Banneret. Blackandgoldbanneret.com is where you want to be. Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret and UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. You can reach out to me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Don't forget to follow Brian Murphy as well, Spokes underscore Murphy and Derek Warden, uh, underscore DS Warden. On Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast if you don't already on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. Thanks again, Eric. We got a few more of these to to go, don't we? Here this summer,
0: <laughs> we do. We uh, hope to get a lot of the fall coaches in UCF ready, as well as still some alumni to come around uh, and talk to us. And uh, like we had Morgan Ferrera recently, we got some other ones that I think people will be very excited, and maybe a couple in particular they haven't heard from in a while, which really
1: is. That's going to be fun. We're looking forward to that. All right. For all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, I'm Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez saying thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast Summer Sessions.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.